Several weeks ago, uh, we started this series uh, on praise, the subject of praise. Didn't realize we were going to do it, just kind of caught off guard and felt the direction of heaven move us in that way. And for me, I don't know about you, but it has helped me tremendously in just navigating through this season of life. Um, our focus in this teaching series has been a little bit different. It hasn't been really dealing with dissecting praise as much as um, focusing on this central truth that praise is the answer. Praise is, if you could take all the weeks we've talked about praise, what we're trying to really communicate to the family of celebration is, is, is this simple truth that praise is the answer. What's going on in your life? What, what are you facing in your life? What, what, what have you gone through in the last couple years of your life? What, 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 what news did you get last week or last month or this past year that rocked your world? What, what challenges have you been facing? What difficulties have you been going through? Have you been in a crisis? Have you been in a struggle? Have you experienced pain and, and loss, disappointments and failures? You, you know what I'm, I'm describing? I'm just describing what we call life. Yeah. All you have to do is breathe and you're going to experience difficulties and challenges. And I've come to remind somebody else as we conclude this, this series that I believe God is speaking to us as a family that, that praise is the answer. I know that's simple. I know you're looking for something else, but I'm here to tell you, praise is your... Yeah, but pastor, you don't know my pain. And I'm saying praise is the... You don't know my situation. I'm here to tell you, but praise is... Yeah, but I can't... If I'm telling you, praise is... Yeah, but I'm married to, yeah, but praise is, come on, somebody. Yeah, but they walked out on me, but praise is, is the answer. We, we started this series off with a story that the Lord reminded me about God's people in the Old Testament, where they had been captured, their, 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 their whole city had been demolished and reduced to rubble, that means their homes were destroyed, their livelihood was destroyed, and they were carried off to Babylon. It's called the Babylonian captivity in the Bible for 70-something years, and they're stripped away from everything that they know, everything that's familiar, everything that they've worked hard for, and they get there in Babylon, and their, their captors said, hey, why don't you sing? We want to hear your song, and their response to that is they God's people took their harps. It was their instruments of worship. And the Bible says that they hung them in the willow trees. The willow trees represents sorrow in the Bible, represents discouragement, represents sadness. And, and so they, they begin to, to take their instruments of their praise and their worship, their song, and they hung it in the willow tree. Why? Because they were going through crisis. They were going through disappointment. They had lost everything that 
they had. And they decided that life just wasn't worth singing about anymore. That their, their difficulty stole their song, took their song away. And this is what we were communicating several weeks ago. This is what the enemy does in our struggle. This is what the enemy does in our, in our circumstances. He, he wants to steal your song. He wants to steal your worship. He wants to steal your praise. Why? Because if he can steal your praise, he can defeat your life. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm going to say it one more time. If he, steal, if, if he gets you to hang your harp in the willow tree, he can defeat your life. He can destroy your life. Why? Because Satan knows, your enemy knows that if you'll keep singing, that if you'll keep praising, that if you'll keep worshiping, it is the weapon that God uses to defeat the circumstances and the enemy in your life. I'm here to tell you celebration. You might have been through a hell and back, but you need to take your harp out of the willow tree and you need to begin to sing again. You need to begin to worship again. You need to begin to praise again. So today, I want to just conclude this series, this thought, I think, with a few final thoughts. And today I want to speak from this God-given promise, shut hell up. Shut hell. Now you got to be careful when you say that. You got to be careful. Can't say that too fast. You know, I decided to give it this title to grab your attention because if I just put up their praise, you go, you start yawning on me and fall asleep. I know a minister recently, a very well-known minister who usually has a, a few hundred thousand views on their podcast, decided to test it. And they just used a simple title like Learning the Word of God, and it got like 25,000 views. They put another podcast up, Become Wealthy, God's Way to Become Wealthy, got like a half a million views. A lot of people don't really want to hear truth. <laughs> They just want the get-rich scheme, quick. Don't, don't, don't want to learn the principles of God. So, to, so today I've used the title to grab your attention, but really what we're going to talk about is your praise is your weapon. Your praise is your weapon, and it will shut hell. It'll shut it up. It'll shut it up, shut it up. Lean to your neighbor and say, shut hell up. Go ahead and do it if you got the guts to do it. Tom, I think you ought to just stay with me. Are you good, man? Yeah. You good? Yeah. Okay. Let me read my opening, opening text here. In Matthew chapter 21, it says, Then the multitudes went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seeds of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now pay close attention to verse 14 and 15. Then the blind 
and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Hmm. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, Jesus, and the children, notice here, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna, son of David, they, they who, the chief priests and the scribes, they were indignant and said to him, said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise, perfected praise. Father, I pray for the next few moments that you would help me to communicate and bring understanding, God, to these passages of verses and to the scriptures concerning the power of praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So here is Jesus. This is a familiar passage of scripture in the Bible. It's the final week of his life, and he's, he's making his entry on a donkey into Jerusalem. I was reading this a few weeks ago, and that's really where this message is being birthed out of as I was studying the Passion Week. And um, so many of the followers are expecting Jesus in this moment as he's descending on Jerusalem. They're thinking that he's coming there to overthrow the corrupt political system, even his disciples, and that he's going to set up his kingdom upon the earth. He thought that he would overthrow the Roman Empire, get rid of Caesar. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't go to the political scene, but he goes to the temple. That's equivalent of, 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 of Jesus not going to the White House, but going to the church house. Yeah. That, that's what he did. Because, because if you're really going to fix something in our world, you're not going to fix it through the White House. Hello, I know that's going to mess with some of you political people. But you're not going to miss it. But you're not going to fix it through the, the White House. You're going to fix it through the church house. You have to first fix it in the church if it's going to be fixed in the world. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord, according to the Bible. So when God wants to fix something, he's going to come and fix it in here. He's going to fix it with me. He's going to fix it with with you. He's not, when he says the church, he's not talking about two by fours and, and lights and buildings and walls. He's talking about people. The church is Good. people. Yeah. So Jesus goes into the temple and he begins to drive out all the abuses and the misuses of his house. And I know most of you are saying, and that's what needs to happen again. We need to get those leaders straightened out. Those, that misuse is going on in the house of God. But can I, can I tell you in the context, it wasn't just the leaders Jesus was dealing with. It was his followers. And I would agree with you. There's a lot of us leaders that are messed up, but there's a whole lot of followers messed up too. That's a good place to shout. Somebody ought to shout right now. Come on. Yeah, he needs to fix the leaders, but he needs to fix some of the habits of the followers too. See, I, I don't know if I want to go there. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay on point here. Huh? People acting like 
God should be proud of me because I showed up at 9 o'clock. Well, some of you are 9.20. Some of you, this is your once a month. Some people we haven't even seen back since COVID. We're going to go there today. I, we, we, we are going to go there. I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, since all the crisis and all the stuff, the only thing it's really revealed is really where the church is at. Come on, that's good. It reveals where their faithfulness is at. It reveals where their commitment is at. I begin to wonder as a pastor, if Jesus was to come back right now, I wonder how many would really go to heaven. So Jesus comes. I think I'll, I'll leave that alone, but we'll come back and pick that up in a few weeks. But Jesus comes and he begins to deal with the abuses and the misuses of his house. And Jesus begins to establish truths. He said, this, this house isn't for that. It's, it's for prayer. It's for this. It's for that. And he begins to heal people and miracles begin to happen and the blind begin to see. And, the, and that's, why, that's why I should want God to fix me. That, that's the reason why we should want God to fix us so, so, that, so that the miracles, the power can come back into the church house. How many of you know that's what the world's waiting for? And it's in the midst of all of that that the children begin to sing and praise the Lord by saying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And watching all of this take place, were the, the chief priests and the scribes. They were the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And, and the Bible says after seeing all of these wonderful, wonderful things, the, the healing and, 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 and the teaching and the, the miracles, and, and especially after seeing the children praising Jesus, the Bible says the religious leaders became furious. They, they became angry. They, they, they became upset because Jesus was messing up their church service. And they turned to Jesus and said this, do you hear? Because this is really what ticked them off. Do, do you hear what they are saying? Do, do you hear what these children are declaring? Jesus, you need to put a stop to this. You need to shut this nonsense down. And what's amazing is is Jesus' response to the church leaders of his day. He said, no, no, no. This, what you're hearing, is perfect praise. Wow. They're trying to get Jesus to shut it down. And Jesus says, we can't shut this down because what we're hearing is perfected praise. Now, when we think of perfect, we think of flawless. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. The, the word perfect in the Bible, and specifically here, doesn't mean flawless. It means complete. So, so what Jesus is saying is that, that, this is, that this isn't flawless praise, but this is, this is complete praise. Jesus is saying when it comes to praise, you can't praise any better than what these children 
are doing right here. Man, when I began to study this, I thought, wow, what an amazing thought that you could literally offer up to God something that would cause God to say you couldn't have done any better than that. That was, that was perfect. That that was complete. That's what heaven is looking for. So if, if these children are the example, then, then let me just take a moment and, and give you, very aware of time, but let me give you three Three things that, that, that made it, th three things that I see that made this perfect praise so that you could just put this in your arsenal of understanding when it comes to praise, and then we're going to get to the conclusion and the real meat of the matter in just a moment. But, but, but being that we're dealing with this here and Jesus calls it perfect praise, in fact, I, I've really never heard anybody preach on this, talk about this, just kind of skim over that. But man, this has caught my attention. What, what, what was it that made it perfect? Here's what I see. Three things that I see in their praise that made it perfect. Here's number one. Their praise gave Jesus his place. If you want to be a man or a woman who offers up complete praise, this is what your praise has to do. Your praise has to give Jesus his place. Notice it says the children, the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the, here it is, here it is, son of David. Now, now Hosanna means save us now. On this side of the cross, it literally means thank you for saving us. But, but they said, not just Hosanna, but they said son of David. This is huge, huge, huge. Notice that these children were calling Jesus the son of of David. Literally, what they're doing, in essence, what they're saying, it's tantamount to them saying, Jesus is the Son of God. When, when they gave that title, they were saying, you are the Savior. You are the Son of God. You, you, you are the one that has come to deliver us. You are the Christ. They weren't just saying Jesus when they said Son of David. They literally were, were giving him the title of you are the Messiah. The Lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world. That's why these guys were so upset. That's why the religious people were mad because they did not believe that Jesus was the Savior. They did not believe that Jesus was the, the, the Messiah. But these children were convinced about who Jesus was. So in their praise, they didn't just say Jesus. They said, this is the Son of the whole Most High God. They said, this is the Son of David. They proclaimed Jesus's. They proclaimed Jesus and exalted him to his place. And we could go further into that, but this is what perfect praise does. Perfect praise exalts God. It, it, it elevates God. It, it, it puts God in his highest place. It doesn't exalt circumstances. That's not what your praise does. It doesn't exalt emotions. It doesn't exalt experiences. A perfect praise, complete praise exalts 
who God is and what God has done. If you want heaven to stand at attention and say, you couldn't have done that any better, then what needs to come out of your mouth is, is exalting Jesus to his place. It's, it's, it's exalting him for who he is in your life and what he has promised to do in your life. That, that's a reason why that, that, that I like that song earlier. I exalt you. We're not singing about you or me. We're singing that. Of, we're, we're putting him and heaven stops and says, now that, that is complete praise. It exalts God, who he is, and what he has done. When you, when you step back, you say, Lord, you're, you're my healer. You're my healer, not my doctor. You're my healer. Who are you exalting? It's putting Jesus in. You're my savior. You're my redeemer. You're my restorer. You're my joy giver. Who are you exalting? When you put Jesus in his place, heaven stops and says, whoa, wow, you couldn't have done that any better. When's the last time you put Jesus in his place in your life? That's perfect praise. This is the second thing that we see is their praise was based upon the Word of God. Hmm. You see, what they were saying in their praise was from the Word of God. They were literally quoting from Psalms 118. <laughs> you do have a book of Psalms in your Bible. It's actually the song hymnal that Israel used. 150 psalms of just songs. And that's what the children were quoting. They were quoting from Psalms 118 to verse 26 where it says, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You see, you see, their praise was based upon the word of God. Catch this today. You see, the requirement for perfect praise is not that you have to be a songwriter. It's not that you have to be some kind of poet. <laughs> the requirement is that not, not, not that you have to have uh, great vocals or the ability to sing. Come on, somebody get a big amen right there. That, that, that helps. In fact, in fact, all God requires is a, not, a, not, not a, a beautiful sound. He, he wants a joyful noise. Th that means most of us I'm thankful for that. That means we can, we can still offer up perfect praise even when we can't sing, even when we can't carry a tune, even when nobody wants to hear our voice. Because God, God's looking for, even if it's a joyful noise, He said, come on, bring it on. I need to hear that. All you need for your praise to be perfect is God's Word, God's truth, in your praise it causes heaven to stop and says now that is complete wow you couldn't have done that any better than that when's the last time you opened your mouth and began to sing the word of God back to God that is perfect and complete praise wow if you want to offer perfect praise Get God's word, get God's truth. Go to the book of Psalms and start singing that. 
I do that all the time. God likes to hear me sing. God likes to hear you sing. Just take a Psalms, take the truth, just begin to offer it back to him. And you'll hear his voice say, you couldn't have done that any better than that. Praise is rooted in the Word of God. Praise is not your experiences. Praise is not your opinions. And praise is not your emotions. Perfect praise starts, has its roots in the Word of God. The third thing that we see, their praise came out of their mouth. Now, I know this is simple. I know you already know that. My question is, why aren't you doing it? For God to stop, for Jesus to stop and say, you could not have done that any better. This is what we see. Their praise came. Notice here in Matthew 21, 16, it says, and Jesus said to them, the religious leaders, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of these children you have perfected praise? It's not praise until it's coming out of your mouth. Praise is not praise until it's coming out of your mouth. Mm, I've lost some of you. L- let me show you what praise is not. We start service. Worship leaders get up here and say, hey, guys, we're going to sing. We're going to lift our voices, and we're going to exalt God today. And you stand there. at the end of the song, you give a little golf clap. That is not praise, but I just illustrated most of the American church. And we wonder why we see no miracles. We wonder why we see no power. We wonder why we see no victory, because for praise to be praised, it's got to be coming not out of his mouth, but it's got to be coming out of your mouth. Did you know, did you know in the Bible, it says in 2 Chronicles that, that, that God's people would gather together like we're going to do tonight, and they would begin to sing as one and offer their song up to the Lord, and the Bible said the glory of God, the presence of God would fall in that house to where even the ministers could not minister anymore. That the glory of God was so powerful when everybody began to open their mouth and everybody began to sing that song as one, heaven stood at attention and poured glory down upon those people. Come on, do you want healing? Do you want deliverance? Do you want breakthrough? For, for, for heaven to stand back and say, now you couldn't have done that any better. It's got to be coming out of your mouth. That's why we put the words up on the screen. We're not looking for good singers. We're looking for noisy people. Come on. Do I have any noisy believers here today? Do I have any noisy believers here today? I'm telling you, there is a shout that'll get heaven's attention. There is a praise that'll get heaven's attention and cause his glory to fill that house. How many of you need the help of God? 
I wish I had Bible and verse on all that. Psalms 34.1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His phrase shall continually be in my heart. That's where, when, when, I, when I misquote scriptures, you ought to yell at me. You ought to throw things at me. You ought to get indignant and upset. That's not what the Bible says. Can somebody tell me what that says? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my what? Somebody shout mouth. I could spend the next 30 minutes, verse after verse after verse. Let me just give you a few more. Psalms 43, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Psalm 71, 8. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Psalms 51, 15. Oh Lord, open my lips and with my mouth shall show forth your praise. Psalm 63 and 5. My mouth shall praise your with joyful lips. Psalms 109, 30. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude. Psalms 145, 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Your praise is not praise until it's coming out of your mouth. Watching praise is not praise. Just like watching church is not church. Spectating in here, watching, is not church. Church is participate. It's to get involved. It's to get connected. It's not praise if it's not coming out of your mouth. Matthew 21. I'll close with this. Jesus gets done explaining to these religious leaders that were upset with these children messing up the church. And he says, guys, you don't get it because what's happening in this moment is perfected praise. It was putting Jesus in his place. It was based upon the word of God and it was coming out of their mouth. So, so, so Jesus himself, right in that passage, oh, define for us what praise is all about. If you never heard another message on praise, you could praise the rest of your life. He def- Jesus, the Messiah, the head of the church, defines for us what praise is all about. But that's not the only thing in that passage that he reveals. Because if you really pay attention to what Jesus is saying, he not only defines for you what praise is, he actually shows you He actually shows you the power that is in your praise. And and I want to close with that thought because this is powerful. Let me read it again. In Matthew 21, 16, let's see if you can see it. Do you hear? He's saying to these religious guys again, do you hear what they're they're saying? Because they're upset. They're, They're mad. And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes, nursing infants? Other translation says children. Jesus says, you have perfected praise. Now, now, as a believer, you could just read over that and say, well, that, well that's, that's good. and that's what, But if you're a student of the Bible, that, that really should catch your attention. Because Jesus is actually quoting from another verse in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why you ought to read your Bible every day. He's actually quoting from, from a Psalms. And Jesus responds to these religious, indignant, 
upset, furious leaders of the church. Don't you realize, guys, this is perfected praise. And, 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 and he's trying to define for them what it's all about. But they were smart enough, they were the church leaders to know that Jesus was actually quoting from Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, but he changed the words when he quoted Psalms 8, 2 to bring a revelation to those leaders that they should have understood. Psalms 8, 2, 8, 2, here's what Jesus is quoting. He says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. Oh, I like this screen. This is cool stuff. I can read that without my glasses. <laughs> Jesus says you have perfected praise, but he's quoting this verse, but notice he doesn't quote it correctly. How you doing? Good, good, good. I, I'm, I'm with you in just a moment. Sing, so. Hallelujah. Man, I'm feeling good today, huh? Come on, don't miss, you're not gonna miss this, right? How many of you at least give me three more minutes? I mean, I got 40, but I'll just give me three. Just three, okay? Because this is a revelation. This is, what, this is the reason why God is saying, get your harp out of the willow tree. Get your song back in your mouth. Get your praise back in your life because it is the answer. He says it's perfected praise, but when he quotes it from Psalms 8 too, he says, out of, here's what he should have said, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength, but he calls it perfected praise. But in the Psalms, it's called ordained strength, but Jesus calls it perfected praise. But in the Psalms, it's called wow. ordained strength. Come on, come on. What Jesus is saying, it's the same thing. Jesus is saying ordained strength is perfect praise, and perfect praise is ordained strength. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody. What? Why, why would I need perfect praise? Because I need some strength in my life. Why do you need some strength in your life? So that you can shut the mouth and silence your enemy. That's, that's how you shut hell up. That's what Jesus is teaching. He's not only defining praise, but he's teaching you the power of praise. He's saying perfected praise is ordained strength. And what that does is it, it causes your enemies to be silent in your life. How many of you need the circumstances to go silent? How many of you need the, come on, how many of you need that poverty out of your life? You need that sickness out of How do you do that? You've got to get perfected praise in your mouth. This is what praise is for. So good. This is what praise does. Jesus is saying this is what praise accomplishes. Why are you guys mad? Why are you upset? That's the reason why I'm dealing with the church. That's the reason why I'm cleaning things up. Because you need the power back into it. Pay attention. These children are smarter than what you are. They're offering up perfected praise. And if you'll let it be, oh, Jesus, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll let it be like it's supposed to be, it will begin to silence your enemy. It will shut hell up. Am I the only one that needs hell shut up? So, Psalms 8. Let me read it in a different translation. Maybe this will get you more excited. Because I've come to tell somebody your praise is your weapon. If you want to stop the enemy from stealing, killing, and destroying, 
Praise is the way you fight your battles. Let me show you this another translation. Oh God, from the mouths of children come songs of praise to you and strength rises up. This kind of praise has the power, here it is, to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Praise is what shuts hell up. Praise is what shuts poverty up. Praise is what shuts cancer up. Praise is what shuts depression up. Praise is what shuts discouragement up. Praise, come on somebody. All you gotta do, all you gotta do is praise Him. All you gotta do is praise Him. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. overlook it. Don't underestimate it. In Psalms 149, I, I, could, I could do this all day, show you how praise is a weapon. But look at what it says here out of the Passion Translation. Godly lovers triumph in the glory of God, and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. Some of you need to wake up. Some of you have been asleep long enough. Come on, I'm speaking through these cameras. Awake, oh sleeper. It's time to arise. It's time to get back to business. It's time, it's time to shut hell up in your life. You've put up with enough. It's time, it's time. Notice it says, it says in Psalms 149 verse five over on the side screens, it says, it says, God's high and holy praises. That's huge. Let me back up. So even when they sleep, notice God's high and holy places. God's high and holy places. You know what that's referring to? Perfected praise. When the Bible talks about high praise, it's talking about your complete praise. That's what Jesus was referencing when he said perfected praise. But notice what he says is high and holy praises fill their mouths for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. Most of you are familiar with this translation. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Same verse. And a two-edged sword in their hand, they will execute defeat on their enemies. I'm out of time, but I'm not out of message. Can you just put Judges chapter 1? I got to say this because this is, this was the, this was the message right here. That, that's all, everything else has been free, free of charge. You ought to, you ought to take those notes though, go apply that to your life. Whew. If you track from the point of God using Moses to take God's people out of slavery and out of bondage, out of Egypt. Moses dies and then Joshua takes over. We're very familiar usually with Moses and we're very familiar with Joshua, but, but usually we don't go to the book of Judges and find out who really takes over after Joshua. And, and the book of Judges starts with the same way Joshua starts after the death 
except Joshua starts after the death of Moses, but in Judges it says after the death of Joshua. And uh, I, I, I was reading this because God has me reading through Joshua, but then he pushed me into Judges because, because this is all about possessing our land. For them, it was about possessing land. It's the same as us possessing our, our abundant life that Jesus has provided for us. See, they had to possess physical land. We have to possess... Um, we have to possess the promises of God of the abundant life that Jesus has made available through Calvary. So it's the same as what they were going through. They're just taking on physical land and we're taking on the spiritual promises, but we still have to possess them. Yeah. And, and, and Joshua takes over after Moses dies. And now, and now the Bible says that Joshua dies. And, and here's, here was, here was my question is, what do you do when your leader dies? Well, what do you do when your mentor dies? What do you do when your, when your companion dies? Well, what do you do when your resources die? What do, you, what do you do when the advice in your life dies? Has anybody been? Come on, I'm, I'm going to go right back to the way I started this message. They hung their harps up in a tree because they were discouraged about the season of life they were in. And I believe God has called this church to really focus on this subject matter because many of us in this room, many of us online are discouraged. We're, 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 we're tired. We're, we're just, we, we don't know if we can, we can take another step. And for so many in the church, they have put their harps, they have put their song, they have put their praise in the tree. Why? Because because something has died in your life. What do you do when your leader has died? What do you do with all the losses that you have lost through the season of life the past couple of years? All the stuff you've depended on. The people, the security, the resources. I mean, you can't... Some of that's physical. You can't... You can't text them. You can't call them. You, you feel alone. What, what, what are you going to do? How, how do you go on without your leader? How do you go on without the stuff that, that, that you needed to, to, that you needed for the next season? What, what do you do when it's, it's died on you? Here's the answer. Judges chapter 2. The Lord answered, Judah, praise. So, so, so let me say this so you understand it. Before Joshua dies, he gathers all the people together and he deals with a lot of them that have not possessed their land. And he says, how much more time are you going to waste with folded hands, the message translation says, and not possess what God has promised you. What happens after that is Joshua dies. And now they're thinking, oh crud, how are we going to possess what Joshua has been leading us to possess? So they begin to pray and cry out to God. 
And God said, the answer is Judah. The word Judah, if you was here a couple weeks ago, it means praise. In other words, other translation says, sin Judah first. What are you going to do in this new season of life? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get your harp out of the tree, and you're going to start singing the song. You're going to start praising the Lord. Why? Because your praise is your weapon. It is the ordained strength of Almighty God that will silence the enemy in your life. If you believe that, somebody shout and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. How are we going to move forward in this next season of life? How are we going to move forward in this new season of life? I'll tell you how you're going to move forward. I'm telling you how you're going to make it. I'm telling you how to get out of that discouragement and out of that depression. You're going to have to praise your way forward. Praise is your weapon. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 